Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and today's show is going to be awesome. Today's guest is a dedicated leadership manager and an experienced integration project manager. He's currently a change manager at a major energy corporation. Please welcome Lee Goldstein. Welcome, Lee. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. I always enjoy talking about change management and um, how the industries are changing and reaching out to people. So this is, this is fantastic. I really appreciate the opportunity. One thing I have found that seems uh, extraordinary is the amount of passion that change management folks seem to have about your profession and even more about the people that you're serving through that profession. So uh, it's really, really made the podcast an exciting one to have to just, uh, you know, see that enthusiasm for what you're doing professionally uh, really come out. And, and you're just a great example of that as we got to know in the prep call. So let's, let's share that with the rest of the audience. Tell me, uh, let, let's start off and, and I'd love for you to share with us what you think is the biggest challenge you see facing deskless frontline workers today. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's very emblematic of all of us right now. I mean, frontline workers are out doing the job all hours of the night, um, when we're sleeping, when, you know, when the weather's bad and I mean, they're out doing it and, and they're doing a very valuable job for all kinds of companies, but what seems to be missing or the difficulty is the connection. So if they're working back shifts, weekends, holidays, uh, they, they don't fall into the normal categories for communication. They don't follow in the normal categories for contact or making connections. And, and I, it's, um, it's something that you have to be aware of, but it's easily overcome. I mean, if you value their input and you, you think that they really need to be involved, which they do, then you go out of your way to connect with them any way you can. Um, and thank goodness for technology these days, there's all kinds of ways, including getting out and riding in a truck with them, going and seeing what they do. And it's just, it just opens so many doors and creates that connection that you can communicate with them. You get a feel for what they do. Um, and, and this is a, this is kind of a, an interesting space for me for two reasons. One, I started out in field operations at power plants. So I know what it's like to be out there by myself and kind of being isolated and what it feels like. And then uh, my son is a line person for utility as well. And so I think about him being on top of a pole, having the best information he can so he's safe. He's able to restore power to thousands of customers at a time. And so creating that connection, getting them the information they need is just, it's a challenge, but it's one that is just, you know, you just gotta go out and make it. And, and uh, the appreciation they have when you take the time to understand their world a little bit is just fantastic. It's just amazing. You know, I love that you started talking about the connection or or the potential lack of connections. Um, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but I was out with a delivery driver, exactly as you said, I was out in the field in a truck with him. Yeah. And he, when we were talking about 
the new technology transformation that was happening in his company, he talked about stress and fear and, and the anxiety that he experienced when thinking about the technology. And he said something to me that I will never forget. He said, I feel like I'm out on an island. I'm the one that's standing out in front of the customer when something doesn't work right, or I don't know how to do something with the technology. And I feel like I'm on an island. And that was such a powerful response to me. And I thought it was so self-aware of him to be able to describe it to me that way. But it just made me realize that, you know, all of us that work in offices where our colleagues are right around us and we can reach over to somebody in the office or cubicle next to us and say, hey, I forget how to do this thing. Remind me. Uh, they don't have that luxury. And, um, you know, they are literally and figuratively on their own. And, uh, and that causes them some added stress and, and anxiety, right? And so as we're thinking about transformational initiatives around technology and the change management implications of that, we have to recognize that is the isolation that they feel. Oh, yeah. It, it, and it's very real. I mean, and, you know, it, it's, it's, um, you got, I think you have to get beyond just looking at them physically, right? Because a lot of, a lot of them, the men are big men, you know, they're strong, they're, you know, they're, they're bearded, they've got hard hats on, they're, they've got these harnesses on, and they look like they could just tackle the world. But at the heart of it, you know, they're looking for those connections too. when, when they turn around and they need help, and they need help from time to time. Um, you know, knowing that either they have someone close to them, or they have the technology to get the answers they need very quickly so that they remain safe and, and be able to do the job and, and meet the needs of the customer and get the company results. I mean, they all connect together. They're out there trying to do the best job possible. And every now and then they need a little bit of help. And we just, we need to develop the technologies to make sure that they can get that connection when they need it. Yeah. And Lee, you know, part of what you're describing, I love the way you just painted the picture of the physicality of, of a lot of the, the men the, and, and, and some women that are working on the Absolutely. front lines. Right. And right. The, the thing that I always want to remind people when we're talking about this is that it's not that these men and women just lack self-confidence, period. I do believe it's that they lack confidence sometimes around the use of technology. But I always try to flip it around and say, you know, I'm a guy that's, you know, you can hand me a new application, a new piece of software, a new piece of technology, and I just love to sink my teeth into it and go figure it out. And so that doesn't cause me any stress or anxiety at all. Uh, on the other hand, if you asked me to go climb a pole and have to go, you know, hook up wires to, you know, a transformer with hundreds or thousands of volts running through it, I wouldn't have a lot of self-confidence with that. And that would make me feel anxious and stressed and feel like I'm on an island, right? Absolutely. And especially if my job depended on that today. And that is the feeling that we give some of the men and women who, when we ask them to use this new technology, they've got all the confidence in the world to go climb the pole, drive the truck, back up a 50-foot trailer in between two other 50-foot trailers with no problem at all. But when we ask them to use technology, that's something that they're a little bit less comfortable with. And so it causes stress and, and frustration for them. And yeah. so I, I just think it's so important for us not to think of them as people who lack self-confidence. It's just that they may have not oh, no, have no, not in the area that in the area that we're trying to support them with. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very, um, so one of the things I try to tell people about change management, um, is that every, every change is different for every person. So you, you, you can get, um, you, you can get a, a technician that feels perfectly comfortable putting 50 pounds on the back and scaling up a pole. But if they have to use a new app in order to 
do safety checks when they're up there, they don't feel comfortable. It, it is that level of, you know, and, and I think it's, I think it's, um, there, there's a number of different ways that you can look at it. Really, it's really eliminating risk in a, in a lot of ways. And, and some people feel more comfortable, just like you said, if you sit in an office and you get a, a new Apple download that you need to, up, you know, upgrade the version of whatever you're doing, People don't even think about it. Yeah, download it. Okay, my buttons are a little bit different. Um, you know, that's that's okay. Now, somebody could be stealing your data, but you still download and go, okay, you know, I, I think I'm okay. You know, I've got enough security around it. It's good. Now put yourself on the top of a pole and they've got a new app or they've got a new tool and it's the middle of the night and they're trying to restore power to 10,000 customers. It's not worth the risk to use the technology. I, I'll, you know, I, there, there will be paper in my hand that I can feel comfortable with or somebody that I can call and talk to. Now that technology may be perfectly fine. It, it, it may be fantastic, but from a risk perspective, they don't feel like it, it's, a, it's a safety, you know, comfort level for them. So they, they rather go with what they know, uh, which makes adoption of technology quite the challenge for uh, a number of different you know, avenues in, in as far as change goes. Um, and I think everybody that um, has tried to do change management technology with, with field workers, I mean, you, you come across this from time to time. And it, it, the other interesting part of it is and the huge challenge is that it, it's different for everyone. So you may have somebody that is very tech savvy um, and, and they, you know, they'll download, they'll use the apps and oh, this is fantastic. And they They'll create lists and they'll do their shopping and do everything off of technology. But when you hand them an, an, a new app in a work environment, they don't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. They just, they just don't want to have anything because they are in risk aversion, uh, risk mitigation. And they say, I, I'm in a better place. I'm in a safer place going with what I know. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I think change practitioners have just they, they come to is the power of sameness. And so staying the same, staying where you are, feeling comfortable with the current situation, you can manage the risk, you understand the safety implications, and that power to stay right where you're at is incredible. So to try to take people that um, may go in harm's way, whether it's a business harm or a physical harm, um, it's just, it, it's hard to get them to go to that next level and adopt the technology. That's a really powerful statement that you just made, power of sameness. And I, I want to bookmark that for a moment because I'd like to come back to that. But sure. what I'd like to do before we get there is I'd like to help the audience understand a little bit more about your background, yeah, how you came to be and what your role is today. So would you give us a little history of what you went to school for, how you ended up in the role that you're in today, and <laughs> give us a little bit of your uh, career journey? Well, I, I think I've really come to appreciate the fact that... Um, Nobody really goes to school for change management. Everybody has a journey to get there. Um, so it's not, it's, it's never a direct road. I don't think it's, it's, you know, how do we, how do we get there? So for me, my journey, uh, again, I, I, I was in the Navy. Um, I was in the Navy, served on two submarines, got out, went to commercial uh, power operations, worked as an operator in a plant, uh, got licensed as a control room operator. Um, and then I eventually went to did some project management. And when I was in project management, I came across my first change managers. Uh, it's probably the first time I really had any interaction with them. And then I went to organizational development and uh, leadership development. And then 
uh, I was certified as a uh, change practitioner, but I really wasn't doing change management. And what happened was there was an opportunity in our, um, in our innovation group within the company. And uh, we, uh, we got rid of all the contractors. So we had a group that basically didn't have any change management that really needed support. So uh, I got the opportunity uh, to, to join the group, volunteered to do it. Um, I think it was, I don't know, it was kind of crazy, but uh, I, I just felt like th this was an opportunity where I could step in and help and, and where we were creating tools to try to change the behaviors and also change the tools that were being used uh, in, inside of the company. And so it, it, it was, you know, I, there, there's, there's two, two real parts to project management, change management, if you will. There's the technical side and then there's the people side. So I was on the technical side. So if you're creating a product or you're uh, introducing something, building something, whatever, just call it technical. Uh, and then there's the people side of it. And so I really made that jump from, from the operations technical side over to the people side, because I, 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 I try to tell people it's just that, that altruistic jump that you make at some point, you really want to help. And it might not make sense, but you know it's a path to get to people in a new and special way and an impactful way. And so um, for the past couple of years, I've been in a, a change management role and it's, um, it's, it's been incredible. I, I'll tell you that uh, you have to find it, but just about everywhere, there is a community of practice of change managers that you may not be aware of that are just fantastic resources in your area to um, well, now, I mean, it could be global, right? I mean, it could be mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, to, and, and your website and, and what you do is a great example of that is just make that connection with other people that say, you know what, I'm really having trouble here. What has worked for you? And, and it's, it's that journey. And, uh, you know, I've known practitioners that have come through the IT organizations. They've come from HR. They've come from uh, just about every field. But the one thing that pulls everybody towards that change focus is really they, they want to help their organizations. They want to help people transition from where they are to doing a new way of, of communicating, new way of doing business, a new way of whatever it happens to be, wherever your change leads you. So it, it, it's amazing journey. I, I, you know, I love talking to practitioners to say, how did you get here? Right. I mean, because nobody, I think most of us have uh, education that's either in organizational development, psychology, sociology, uh, some behavioral science. Yeah. Uh, certainly, my my background is in organizational development and change, which fits really nicely with change management. Um, we've had people with MBAs, right, jump over and get practitioner qualified. I, I just think that the journey and the education um, is just so different for everybody. But but you you know, as we kind of talk through this, I think there are some key elements that everybody picks up along the way. One is uh, the education, and it is social sciences, uh, behavioral sciences, somewhere along the line, picking up those education part. And then the other one is the certifications. Um, lots of certifications out there. I'm, I'm actually certified by a company called ProSci. Um, and, and they're very well known in the change community. Um, they do a fantastic job of preparing people to be practitioners. Uh, but, but wherever you pick up your certification, it's understanding the structure of change and being able to apply it. And uh, I just think between those two, we create some common avenues and then, and then jumping in to help each other. It's just, you know, how we get to where we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get my 
pro-sci unofficial certification by interviewing a bunch of pro-sci certified members <laughs> uh, on the podcast. And so, you know, I, I, think right. I, can, I think I can admit that two months ago, I hadn't heard of ADCAR before. Yeah. And now I find myself using it as as a regular part of conversation. And it's sure. one of the, the absolute great values that I've gotten from, you know, uh, being the, one of the hosts on this podcast is just yes. the, the learning that we've had from professionals like you. So, you know, thank you for that. And thank you for the contribution that you're making. I, I want to go back to something, Lee, that you said that I, I think is really important. I'd like to um, spend a little bit more time on it. You, you talked about this jump yep. from kind of the technical side of things over to the people side of things. And that's really, it was a powerful statement to me that I'd like to understand a little bit more. Was there a story? Was there an incident? Did something happen? Did you have an epiphany moment one day that you just said, holy crap, there's something going on out here that, that made you more aware and maybe turn your attention toward the human element of change a little bit more? Well, I, I would admit to you and I guess everybody else that's watching along, um, you know, when I was a project manager, uh, I did have a change management support person, and I, I was I was probably the worst, right? I mean, I was probably the worst for appreciating change and what it could do. Um, and, and I'll tell you the, you know, I, I don't know that I had as much a, you know, a single event, mm -hmm. but it was seeing where I wasn't connected as a project manager and seeing the downfalls that I, I may have left on the table in my projects that I, I, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want the people that were in that position to, um, to, to, to leave value on the table because people weren't adopting or people weren't using the technology or the tools that were being created. And so it kind of came to me, but I, I'll tell you the other part of it is that it, it went very well with the organizational development and leadership development that I was doing because all of them, really center around changing behaviors, the way people do their jobs. And so there's the tech side of it. So operating a power plant or um, putting up new lines or whatever it happens to be, there's the technical side of it, but there's the behaviors that go behind what they're doing on a technical side. So if, if you can get to those behaviors and infuse really, really good principles and behaviors, all of a sudden you can move the organization to achieve the results it wants to. Remember, this is, you know, I, th I think people think of change and change management as kind of like the soft skills. Um, you know, many of us will probably argue that it's the harder skills because it's the people side of it. But in the end, it's it's to achieve a desired result. So think about a project and return on investment and things that you're trying to achieve. If you leave the people out, you will not achieve your goals. You just won't. And if you do, you'll be there for a short period of time and it won't be sustainable and it'll go away. So in essence, you didn't, you didn't get what you wanted in the first place. The so outcome. I think it was that that turn to really helping people, um, you know, demonstrate behaviors in their organizations that sustain the change in order to keep the company viable, to operate more efficiently, more economically, all, all those things fit in there, but it's it's the people, it's the people that matter. Tools will come and go, people will come and go too, but while you're with us as a company, here's what we need you to do. Here's how we need you to demonstrate these behaviors in order to achieve whatever it happens to be. 
Yeah. So I, I think it is that focus that that shifts a little bit. And I think when you come to that realization and you see the deficit, at least for me, I'm like, I want to help. I mean, I want to jump in and, and see what I can do to make a change. Yeah. I, I think um, for me, I've always considered myself very sensitive to the needs of the frontline workers and, and would have described myself as having a lot of empathy. And in fact, um, you know, even in building and deploying and supporting technology solutions for the frontline, I've always advocated for, you know, the team needs to go spend some time out in the field with the men and women that are going to be using the technology so that we can understand the day in their life, understand yep. the environment, understand the tools that they use, what type of trucks do they drive? Do they spend most of their day in the truck? Do they spend their time away from the truck? Just all of those things that we need to consider to help build it. I think uh, what we missed or what I missed in mm -hmm. some of that was helping them understand why we were making the changes. So I thought it was maybe enough for us to go look at the environment and say, okay, well, this, this guy's not going to be able to use a tablet at this point in the process because he's got two tools in his hand or he's got a tool in his hand and a fire extinguisher in the other hand or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. Sure. And, and so we were really thinking of it primarily as a design standpoint. I think what we were missing as I look back on some of the examples was helping them understand uh, why this implementation was happening and that we really were there to, to help them and to give them additional digital tools that would augment maybe their physical tools. Um, but I don't know that we did a good, good enough job uh, as we could have. And I think that's the biggest thing that's come to me with, um, you know, a, a greater awareness and, and appreciation for change management is that it's not enough to just build the solution, right? It's, it's got to be uh, incorporated in, in helping them, you know, create awareness for uh, why this is happening and, and kind of answer the question of what's in it for them. Because otherwise, rather than help that anxiety and frustration about new adoption, we're probably actually pouring gas on that fire. Yeah. I, so, you know what, I can, I can hear the pro side language. So you're doing well on your learning journey, to, you know, <laughs> creating the awareness. I hear that and the why, yeah. and then the, the desire of what's in it for me. And it's, yeah. um, you know, I think that, um, you know, a, a couple of things. You're absolutely right. So, uh, you know, everybody knows Simon Sinek and, you know, he's, you know, his, his start with why, you know, leaders start with why that right. fits very well in awareness. It's like, you know, I think if you go back to like management styles, go back to the fifties, it was okay. If a supervisor manager said, go do this. And you really didn't question it. And, and they just ran off and went and did it like good workers. Well, those days are long gone. Um, okay. And so if you really want to get buy-in from your organization, it has to start with why. Why are we doing this? I mean, just give me, give me some bases. Give me something to hang on to. And then people can start to get their head wrapped around it. And you're right. I mean, if you create a really cool app and it, it, it does amazing things, that does not mean people are going to use it. You know, build a cool tool and they'll come. That's not happening. I mean, it, it's amazing. Even if you get stakeholder input, and, and, and you build it exactly the way they want, that does not mean they're going to use it. You have to get their buy-in and it's really starting with that why. And then the, the desire in the ad car model, when you talk about what's in it for me, uh, I, you know, everybody has their, you know, when you talk about ad car or, or some of the change structures, everybody's got their hangups. To me, the desire piece is, um, it's very misunderstood. So let's go back to the app that you said, you know, if you create an app or you create a tool in which, um, you know, somebody it does, does an amazing job. It, it's not the desire for that app. It's the desire to be part of the change to use the app. And, and it, 
people have to get they they have to give their consent they have to give their buy-in and be willing to open up and say you know what i'll give it a try and then they can make that self uh examination and really say well the the app provides a lot to me and yeah i'm going to continue to use it or you know what i know you say it's great but it really doesn't do anything for me and therefore i'm going to put it back down and not use it yes, so let me be devil's advocate on that for a second if i can sure. i apologize for for interrupting but no, no, no worries. Um, when you say people have to give their consent, I just want to push back a little bit and say, well, what about the other side who might argue, you know what, this is your job, like you have to do this, right? And whether you consent or not, this is what we're telling you you need to do. Yeah, and I would, you know, that that's true. There is that, but I would say that's what the, probably the bottom line down the road. That's not yeah. what you go in with, right? And yeah. I think there are still a lot of people that go in with it. You know, this is just your job. I'm telling you what it is to go do it. And so they may do it, but what are you losing along the way? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I've, I've heard different numbers, but, you know, active engagement in actually job performance day in and day out. And the, the numbers are, I mean, just staggeringly low and people just lose that engagement. And that's how you disengage people. You tell them to go do their job instead of creating something that they can really buy into and understand. Now, I, you know, I, again, there, there's this, I'm, I'm not really worried about the desire for the tool. This isn't about making people happy. This is about, are you willing to change for the better of the organization? So even though it's what in it for me, what's in it for me is, is personal to me, but at the same time, it may be about the company, not you as a person. And then if, so if you say, you know, hey, if we get 80, 90% of the people to use this tool, we will save X number of dollars. And what that'll do is that'll prevent us from firing somebody. And I may say, you know what? I really think the tool stinks, but if it saves somebody's job, I'll do it. I'm in. I'm in, yeah. I'll do it. You, you, and if you create that awareness and you give them the why and you ha allow them to understand, that's how you create that buy-in. Now, if they keep saying no, 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 at some point, you know, change management sometimes shifts to performance management. So you have those people that just don't buy in and I don't care what you tell me to do, I'm not gonna do it. Okay, now we're jumping to a different space, right? That's where the change manager goes, I'm out. He, here's what we're facing and we're in performance management space, Mr. or Mrs. Supervisor, you gotta step in and take care of this. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting you say that. I was thinking as you were describing the scenario and and answering my question about you know you just have to do this. I, I think one of my own answers to my own question would be that having to do something uh, may meet the minimum requirements. Yeah. To say, hey, all right, I'm using this technology. Fine. All right, you're making me use it. It's part of my job. But adoption or engagement is not binary. You don't either have it or you don't have it. I think there are levels of adoption and engagement with uh, technology in particular, actually probably with all business processes, but in particular with technology. And there's a vast difference between a user who's kind of half-assed using the technology just because their boss made them versus somebody that's really embracing the, the power of this. And I, I think the difference can often be just explaining what the downstream implications are. We just had um, 
I won't say the proper names uh, just because he's, he's been on this podcast, but he, he actually did a fantastic job of uh, kind of addressing some of the, the level of engagement in some of the users. And one of the things that he did in his analysis was he tracked back the implications of those users not using the technology correctly or using it partially. And the impact to the business was profound. And he started to document, you know, how many uh, incidents are we having where the users in the field aren't using the technology right? Who's impacted by that in the back office? What's the impact of each one of those times? Well, to be able to then bring that communication back around to the men and women in the field and their leadership to say, I know you think that just taking the shortcut, you know, is great because it's saving you 30 seconds, but I want to just show you now all the implications that you're having on all of your teammates throughout the business, right? And, and what that ultimately means back for you. It means that instead of supporting you better in the field, they're now doing a lot of busy work to make up for the fact that you tried to take a shortcut, right? And so I just think it, it needs to be a, you know, a, a full loop communication to really help them understand the impact of, of what they're doing. Oh, and, absolutely. And we, absolutely. we owe it to them. I, I think we owe it to them to communicate better so that they can understand what the impact is. Uh, yeah. I, um, are you familiar with the, the book Switch? I'm not. Uh, so Switch is a, it, it's a very interesting look at, at change. Uh, Chip and Dan Heath, uh, it, it's just a fantastic book. But one of the lines from the book that I really appreciate is the fact that um, what, what often appears like resistance is actually a lack of clarity. People just don't understand. And so it, it looks like they're resisting the change, but in fact, we, we haven't communicated well enough or clear enough to where they can, they can create that buy-in and say, all right, I get it, I'm in. Um, and so, so I, you know, when we talk about resistance management and change, you know, and change space, I mean, it, it, it's a real, real thing, but, you know, I, I try to start those conversations with, are we sure they understand? I mean, do, do they really get it? And yeah, I told them four times. And I'm like, no, no, I know you told them four times, but, but do they have it clearly what we're trying to do? Create the why, understand the what's in it for me. Do they really get it? And, and they're like, well, I don't know. Well, all right, let's go find that out. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's go figure that out first. And if, if they're really clear and they still have problems, all right, then then I'll send us one direction. But we may be able to clear it up with just a simple conversation, which is well, I, I love it. And I've, I've pulled the book up on uh, Amazon now and just for, for our audience who may be listening and, and may also be interested in reading this, the, the name of the book is Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard. Yeah. And it's written by uh, Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Uh, I assume that they're related. Um, I think they're brothers. Okay. So uh, that is the right book. And, and uh, it, it looks awesome. And I appreciate your description of it. So I'm going to add it to my list uh, right now. And um, I'm it's definitely going to look at that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, so I want to switch back. So we've talked a little bit about kind of our view out to the, the men and women who were asking to change. Mm-hmm let's flip it around for a minute and put ourselves in their shoes. And, and if I were to ask them what they think is really the biggest challenge that they face as it relates to kind of these digital transformational initiatives, what do you think they might say back to us? Um, I, you know, I think, again, all the changes are a little bit different. Um, challenges, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the difficulty, are you saying like the difficulty that they face in the field? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, and again, I just to throw out a, a reference here, maybe something that uh, everybody can take a look at, but uh, Bree Groff, 
uh, talks about change and loss, right? Six different losses that take place as things are changing. And, and I, I really think that um, I, I try to at least take into account when people are moving, they're transitioning from a current state to another state, what do they feel like they're losing? Um, and, you know, for those men and work, men and women that are on top of a, a tower somewhere or out in the field, maybe it's safety, maybe, maybe it's anonymity, maybe it's control of their situation, they're, they're losing something. And so it's very difficult to ask a direct question, hey, what do you, you know, what do you feel like you're losing? But at the same time, and I think this comes back to those listening skills, when you're talking to people and understanding, it's like, what do you, what do you feel, you know, where is it that you feel like you're losing control? And here's where you know, people talk about older generations and, and some of the older workers that are in the workspace. I mean, think if they've been doing something for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, they, they're losing a lot of comfort. They're losing some safety, maybe some, um, and it's like, okay, well, that's great to recognize and, and address. It's okay. It's like, hey, I'm very good at this. So now I've got something new that I've got to do. I'm, I'm going to lose my status. I'm going to lose my reputation because I don't know what I'm going to be doing with this new app. And you have to address those, right? I mean, it's where is that loss that they're feeling and everybody's different. This is where we all come to change with different experiences, different backgrounds. You have a different home life. So what is it? Um, I like, uh, we'll, we'll go back to shameless plug for ProSci again, but I mean, it's not like the change is a big block of people. If you have hundred people in the organization, it's not one change that's taken place, it's a hundred changes. And so you have a hundred people experiencing either a loss and or a gain, where, where are they? And, and how, do you, how do you address them? And, and if you have a group of older workers that you know are going to change, it, it, it's funny, you can't make the assumption that they're gonna lose anything. It's, it's talk to them, listen to them. What are you guys feeling? What are, what are you thinking? Uh, is this something that's going to work for you? No. Okay, that's great. Why not? If they said yes, you go, okay, great. Why, why do you think it's going to work? And then that becomes part of your story as far as the change goes. And it's just, it's just you know, every situation being different and being able to customize your approach to not only what is changing, but you know, who's being impacted. So you've, I'm going to combine two things that you've said, because I think they're kind of different variations of the same thing. In the beginning of our conversation, you talked about the power of sameness. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that you've been around utility organizations and I've done a little bit of work around utilities, mm -hmm. one of the things is that, you know, the, the type of cultures that tend to be uh, surrounding utilities are uh, very risk averse, yep. very safety and, and procedure focused. Absolutely. And uh, there's, there is inherent rigidity in the culture of those organizations, actually like by design, it's intentional. That's right. And yet that is counter to the push for innovation, right? Yes. So right. when we talk about digital transformation in areas outside of those things of safety and risk aversion and things like that, we're talking about being agile and making changes quickly and iterating fast. And I think to people in utilities, you know, I, I'm making a big generalization here, but I think the utilities culture, that feels very nerve wracking to them. Right. So here we are saying, let's, let's the power of sameness, right? We know how to do this. We've done it this way for 20 years. We've made only very mild modifications to this procedure or this form or this process, whatever the case may be. And now we're bringing technology out in the field and we're talking about this rapid iteration. 
And um, I just, I think that's really interesting. And, and you then position that to say, well, what does that user feel like they're losing in that process, right? That's right. So that power of sameness, and now the flip of that is, okay, you're telling me I have to change. What, what is, you know, what's the trade-off for that? And I hadn't really thought about it in terms of, of the trade-off and the way that you just described it. I think that's really interesting. It, it, it is. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when you talk about change, you can kind of turn things around and back up and double back on yourself pretty quickly and almost, almost argue yourself out of what you just said before. But it, it, at, at the same time, um, I think there is, there is a way to manage it. I mean, so for a utility worker that's, that, you know, a utility that's been in business for uh, you know, decades, really, 50, 60 years, um, if you want to be around for another 40 or 50 years, because uh, we're certainly going to need the power, uh, deliver the power, communication, telecommunications, wherever it happens to be, you know, you do have to adapt and change. So even though there's the power to sameness, you can't stay here. We cannot stay here as a group. We have to move forward. And what does that look like? So I, I think that if you really show the benefit of what you're doing, uh, and, and I'll, you know, remote monitoring, uh, wireless technology, Bluetooth technology, all of these things, if you find a way to work them into where you're able to um, really extend the life of the business, but at the same time show benefit and you mitigate the loss, whatever the loss happens to be, then you find this sweet spot where people are, are, will buy into it and, and actually make the change. Um, and it helps, it helps everyone. So it's, it's a personal focus, it's a business focus. And, and when you align the two, you're in a very powerful space. I think that um, it, it's not that change is any easier, but you're able to continue to move forward. And, and again, give them the why, make them, uh, allow them to understand, um, and, you know, it's the, it, it's, it's interesting. And I know that, you know, uh, the format focuses quite a bit on the frontline workers, but it is quite the challenge for supervisors and managers of those frontline workers. I mean, it, it is, it's, um, it, it's a real challenge for them as well to, to introduce the change, to help them transition, to be that first line of communications that they're going to rely on the most in order to get their information. And it's just, Allowing them, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but uh, I have to remind people every now and then it's like, hey, uh, managers are people too, right? I mean, they're, they, they have got to go through a change process themselves, absorb the change before they can help other people do it. And so we, we often tell them, you need to go tell your people this, you need to do this, you need to do that. And we don't allow them to go through that ad card journey on their own. And so they don't understand why, or they're a little bit unclear, and that's where the lack of clarity comes in. And so they don't convey it well, and it just creates this this, this avenue of of misunderstanding that is counterproductive to what we're really trying to do. Um, I could not agree with you more. And we've been talking about this uh, at my company recently, actually, just very specifically over the last couple of few weeks. Sure. Where we've been talking about you know, implementing the technology solution. So we have this platform that helps frontline workers uh, adopt technology with less yeah. stress and frustration. So a lot of the things that we're talking about today, yeah. but they're not the only stakeholders in this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're direct line supervisors and managers and the whole chain of leadership um, that works in the organization has to be as on board and as, as we're expecting the frontline workers to be. 
And there's change for everyone, even in terms, if you're going to implement new technology, whether it's our solution or other similar solutions on the market and things like that, it leadership has to be changing their behavior too for oh, yeah. how that technology is used. Absolutely. And I, I, and we're seeing that be overlooked in, in some companies today. And, you know, so as a partner with those companies, we want to look for ways that we can help them mitigate that risk of saying, hey, you, you can't just drop in this new tool or a new practice into the frontline yeah. workers and say, hey, we made this investment. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. It needs to be a part of the change for all of their leadership so that they're embracing it and they can provide new coaching to those frontline workers that, you know, uh, applies to the new way of doing business. Absolutely. And I mean, if you think about uh, structure and there, there, there are all kinds of structures that are out there um, to help people understand what the change process looks like. Um, and, and then every level of the organization has to go through that change themselves. And I would say that the more you get to the frontline worker, the more it, it, it expands out. So you may have somebody that's in a corporate office role, um, typical office worker, they, they, they get it. They're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And, and, and they keep moving. But then that has to expand to a manager and then it expands again into a supervisor that's dealing with the front line. And then your biggest bucket that you need to work with are the people that are actually directly, you know, um, challenged by the change. But if you ignore anyone on that level and establish at least their minimum requirements, you have a really, really tough time getting frontline workers to move. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've, uh, found, and I, I haven't like charted this out on any type of graph yet, but it seems that the people in change management practitioners ha that have some connection, and actually this isn't true of just change management professionals. This is probably all folks that we've interviewed on this podcast that have a role in innovation and in implementing change with frontline workers. But those that have some personal connection to the men and women on the front lines seem to bring and add a level of passion to the conversation. So some folks that we've interviewed on the show have, uh, they used to be a delivery driver in an organization, either in the same organization or in one just like it, that they now are a leader in. And so they can, they have a personal connection with those men and women on the front lines. You mentioned that your son is a line worker uh, as well. And, and I wonder how that impacts when, you know, the empathy that you have for the men and women on the front lines, tell me a little bit more about that, because I, I know we just touched on it for a few seconds at the beginning, but but tell me more about, you know, how you might think of your son and how does he become kind of a representative in your mind for all the other men and women for whom you're trying to, you know, um, address change? Yeah, it, well, it's personal, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, um, but I think it, I mean, it extends beyond, I, I don't, I don't work with his part of the organization at all. Yeah. Um, but it adds that appreciation and, and, and having been out on the front line, standing there with a clipboard in your hand, wondering what the heck to do. I mean, I think just having that appreciation for having to been in that spot at one point, um, just, it, it just frames it differently, right? I mean, it just, it, it just gives you a different approach. If you've never been out there in the field um, or if you've never been part of an industry or you, it just, I, I think it, I think it adds to really your basis on a personal level to say, you know, and, and, and it could be a line, but if, if I had somebody that was climbing a tower that, um, you know, in an organization I was supporting and they were, they were trying to do, you know, communications equipment, whatever it happens to be, I very much link them to my experience, my son's experience, other people that are out there that, you know, you just, 
you just I don't know it's just like this internal you, you get it um that it, it is impactful matters I mean beyond what probably words can express um and it, you just uh I I don't know I, I just think that if you so let's say let's say you're a professional that comes in to work with a utility uh you may not have that walking in but you can get it I mean just like you said you know that ride around in the truck uh that's fantastic. And, and you know what you're doing. You're really, you're building an advocate for change with whoever you're riding around with. And at the same time, you're, you're increasing your knowledge. You're, you're gaining experience that you, you're, you're not going to climb the pole. You're not going to be up in the bucket. You're not going to be doing whatever, but at the same time, you're there. I mean, you know, you're there. And so I think that um, anybody that's a change practitioner or you know, is in the behavioral science field, it's very much a two-way street. So as much as I'm helping people to learn and grow and use different tools, I'm learning as well. And I, and I, every change experience I go through, I'm learning an unbelievable amount, either about the organization, um, the technology, the whatever it happens to be. I mean, you just go on and on, um, individual behaviors. I mean, I just think you have that appreciation for and the openness to understand where they're at. And, and it changes really how you approach um, not only that specific change scenario, but all future endeavors. I mean, it just, it just changes how you approach things. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, a great, a great way to explain it. And I, I think getting out to, to meet with the men and women in the field is, is so critical. And as I described before, I always believe that when we were building new technology solutions for the front lines. But I think now, um, even in a different role where we're thinking of how to implement those technologies and really support that that change. You know, an, an example of one thing I remember distinctly from a utility company, this was gas, not electric, but um, we went out to go do line locates with uh, some of the guys. Um, and we got out on site and they had um, tough books mounted in the cab of their truck. So that was the technology that they were using, maybe similar to what you guys have. Um, but when we got out on site, what we realized is the guys keep the tough book in the truck and they were walking up to 500 feet away from their truck to go do the work that they had to do. And then if they needed to reference any other information, they had to go back. Now the tough book technically could be taken out of the truck, but it was kind of cumbersome and right. it wasn't always practical, especially with weather. And they had other tools. They were actually using scanning tools to scan on the ground, right? Which is also cumbersome tools, right? So to have a laptop, you know, a clamshell laptop in one arm and have the scanning tool in the other, and forgive me, I don't remember the name of the scanning tool, but you know, they're, they're using a bunch of these tools. And so the reality was you know, what was different from the conference room is in the conference room back at corporate, everybody thought that the guys were carrying the laptop out right to the point of activity. In the real world, the laptop was staying in the cab of the truck and he's walking up to 500 feet away. And then we had to input data into the system. He had to walk back 500 feet. So what was he doing? He was writing stuff down on paper, yeah. bringing that stuff back to the truck. And so when you just get out in the field and you experience that and you're like, hey, we just told these guys all they needed to do is input that data into the field. I don't understand why it's so hard. <laughs> right. And but, you know, five minutes out in the field, it was the first stop that we did that day. First one. And we saw that change and we're like, oh, now we get it. OK, we, we got to rethink this a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, so, so, I mean, you're learning, you're gaining an appreciation, but I'm telling you the, the impact you have on the people that are, I mean, do it when it's raining, right? Not when it's easy on a sunshiny sure. day, go out there when it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning and they've got to restore power. They've got to find a line or they've got to break somewhere. Now, all of a sudden you, you have just made the best friend that you could ever have. Not only not maybe per, on a personal level, but also from a change perspective, because now, now they know you care. 
right? I mean, if, if they're not going to listen to you, they're not going to, but if all of a sudden you prove that you really care about their impact and, and how they are able to do their job safely, um, all of a sudden it's a whole new conversation and, and, and you're able to, one of the, we don't talk about it, but one of the just fundamental elements in change as you're moving from one state to another is grace and giving each other grace and just listen, it's not going to be perfect, but it, it'll be okay. And, and that benefit of the doubt, it, it, all those intangible things, when, when you're out with somebody, all of a sudden they're willing to extend you some grace or to give you a, the benefit of the doubt, or th this isn't somebody back in the office that's, you know, trying to make my job harder. They are really fighting for the best. And, and, and it, it just makes a world of difference. Um, and, and, and adoption and, and also on the employees and how they do their work. I mean, it matters, right? I mean, they, get, they understand that it matters. Now, all of a sudden you understand that their job matters. It's just, it's just an amazing journey to go on with them. To, to show how much I agree with you, the story where the gentleman, his name was Eric, that told me that he felt like he was going to be out on an island. Uh, that conversation was had at 2 a.m. in the cab yeah. of his truck. Uh, because that's when he started his shift. He started yep. his shift at 2 a.m. and he wrapped up somewhere between 10 and noon every day. And uh, so the, the company that we were working with said, hey, if you want to go do a route ride, you're going to have to be here at the depot at, you know, 1.30 in the morning. And so we said, hell yeah, we'll be there. And uh, yeah. and so I think, you know, you're right. I, I mean, it's pitch black. Uh, we're in the middle of a depot in the middle of nowhere. And so we're having this conversation with this guy, Eric, and, and he really, really opened up. And I believe in part, the reason that he opened up is because we were number one, we were in his comfort zone. We were in a place that yeah. he's comfortable, which, you know, oddly enough to some of us is the cab of his truck, right? <laughs> Drives a right. tractor trailer. That's his comfort zone. That's what he knows and loves, right? And the fact that we'd taken the time to, to come out and visit with wow. him at a crazy time of day, uh, I think gave him a, a level of comfort with us. And so he yeah. shared some pretty deep thoughts, right? And he was very uh, self-aware about those things. I don't know that we would have gotten that had we asked those questions, had we called him into a conference room and said, hey, we want to sit down and, you know, ask you 20 questions about your job. Uh, I don't think we would have gotten, you know, quite the same input. And so well, I, and I do think that's really important. I think everybody needs to understand, you know, what you said, which is is getting out there and not necessarily in the best of times. And, and I mean, the best information doesn't come in a survey. Um, it doesn't, you know, it just, it, and, and, and quite frankly, we're all, I think we're all finding this after being a little bit more isolated after two years. It's like, you, you're missing that connection. I mean, I know I'm, I'm to the point where, listen, I've appreciated the work flexibility and being at the house and, and that sort of thing, but I, I need that connection. I need to get back to where we talk to one another and we look at each other and we're able to, you know, see how each other feels in the situation, uh, beyond what, what a screen shows. And there's just so many intangibles, either getting a drink after work or uh, seeing each other in the parking garage or whatever it happens to be that, you know, when you when you're able to bridge those gaps and actually get together and, and look at one another and, and sense each other where, where you're at, it just it makes all the difference in the world. It really yeah. does. Couldn't agree with you more. Or. We're kind of getting toward the end of this uh, session here, and I, I want to ask you to give me your take on on what one of your favorite things or what some of your favorite things are about working with technology. You know, um, well, this should probably be no surprise when uh, you talk to a change manager, but it, it, things are constantly changing, right? People are looking at things differently, uh, new eyes, new new basis, new new needs, new, I mean, there's, there's, there's always new, there's always new around in um, technology. Uh, I, I will say there, you know, 
we're, we're kind of faced a little bit. Um, AI is a big, big topic for us. And people, again, you get back to the loss. People say, well, if you create a tool that does my job using AI, then I'm going to lose my job. Um, and it's, it, I think it's, it's, it's really creating that balance between let, let, let's let machines do what machines can do. So the, the, the people are able to do what people really need to do. And it's, um, it, I think it's that separation. And if you think about it it, it, it even goes back to lawnmowers, right? I mean, the old push lawnmowers, and now you have the motor-driven lawnmowers, and now we're going electric. And, you know, let the machines do what the machines can do so that you can do something else with your day. It's, it, it's, it's a matter of finding capacity uh, and time and creating stability so that you can go on and do what, what you want to do. Well, technology facilitates all that. I mean, um, whether it's AI, it's machine learning, it's, it's, it's apps, it's, it's new programs, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Uh, and even, even to machinery, right? It's just, it's, it's amazing. So um, certainly from a change perspective, it's never ending. I mean, it, it will never, it will always be something that we as people uh, in an organization or by yourself uh, have to deal with. And, and change is, is what can help make that transition easier. Yeah. and more productive. I'm really stimulated also by the, the innovation and, and the benefits that come from come with that. And so I have to, uh, you know, be very uh, deliberate in, in remembering that not everybody is as stimulated by that change. Ooh. And yeah. so we, we need to be careful about that because I know that that does create a lot of, um, you know, fear and anxiety with some right. of the, the other folks. Right. And it, it's, you look at it on one hand and you go, well, it really doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, well, I mean, it kind of does. And it goes back to that, that loss, yep. but you know, having, having a, an algorithm that can look at millions of pieces of data and say, you know what, your best solution is this and, and doing it in a fraction of a second. It's like, Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just, it, it's, a, it's amazing. So where do the possibilities end? I mean, it just, yeah. it goes on and on and on. And we, and I, the other thing I think that technology and innovation, it, innovation is one of those things that means different things to different people, obviously. So, um, you know, um, when you go into an organization, you talk about innovation, things like that, understanding what their definition is, is certainly part of that, because I've seen some innovation that seems kind of archaic to me, but to them, it's brand new. It's innovating. It's like, OK, you know, that's OK. Um, it's, it's moving forward in a productive manner. And, and you using new technology now maybe old to the industry, but it's new to you. You think you're innovating? Fantastic. Let's run with it. Let's go. Um, so it, it, I just, it, it, it's amazing work. Uh, it, it's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of, um, but that, that's the same with any change. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing field to get into. Anything you really don't like about working around technology? Uh, anything I don't like. That's an interesting question. Um, no, I, you know, I, there are, there are some challenges that I think are, make it difficult that, um, that, um, we, we consistently find that, you know, resources are going down. People are trying to be more economical on their business models. And so it really, it gets back to that, having the capacity to change, having the, the capacity to absorb it. Um, and then companies, the other there are two. There are two things that really challenge change. One is obviously the capacity I was talking about, but the other one is stability. Um, if you're in constant motion, constant change, uh, you'll hear this change saturation. Um, things are moving all over the place. You can't get a firm basis on your day-to-day -day activities. It, it's a challenge for change, and 
And instead of doing 10, 12, 14 changes at a time, if we do seven or eight really well, I think it would, it would serve organizations better than trying to just keep constantly changing. Are things always changing? Yeah, of course. But at some point you go, all right, how much can we absorb at one time? Let, let's let people get their feet underneath of them and let's keep moving forward together. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Lee, this has been a, a fantastic conversation and um, what I'm excited to share with you and uh, to the others in the audience is uh, you've now earned your entry into the Frontline Innovators <laughs> Council, which is the uh, the private group that we're, uh, we have in LinkedIn with all of the other uh, podcast guests and uh, hosts, me and Gene Singerini. And uh, we'd love to invite you to, to come and participate in that group. And it, it speaks to some of what you said earlier about networking with other professionals in the space um, that are practicing change management and technology innovation, and specifically those men and women who are doing this around, you know, frontline workers or in companies that have, you know, disproportionate numbers of frontline workers, however they define that. And so we'd yeah. like to welcome you to that. Um, you'll get an invitation from us uh, later this afternoon to come in and join the conversation. And we're just getting started this week. So it's uh, today, we're recording this on October 8th. It'll get published here hopefully later this month in October, but uh, you'll get invited into the council today. And we look forward to having you be a part of that conversation. Man, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Ha uh, happy to join. And, uh, you know, I really, look, I really look forward to talking with other practitioners to understand what they face. Um, you know, people are people. So it could be, you know, frontline workers in any field. Uh, there are lots of similarities and uh, just being able to share and communicate with one another is fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Well, I welcome uh, your participation. Look forward to uh, staying engaged with you. Right, we do thanks. need to, uh, to wrap it up there. So uh, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I hope the rest of the audience has as well. Um, if you have, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. We're looking for more fantastic guests likely to come and join us on the podcast. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share the story. And we'll see you in your next episode. Lee, thanks again for your time today. Thank you.